Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Minoya. Join me each week as Susanna Fleming and I probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Anchored and Reaching. Susanna Fleming here, and I'm here with Kevin Manoya. Hey, everybody. And I'm here with Susanna Fleming, who just introduced herself. Yep, that's right. (laughs) We're both here. We're both excited to have a conversation with you today about the topic of salvation. Before we jump into it, I want to encourage you at the end of each episode, if you heard things referenced or you want more details about what we were saying, there are really robust show notes that you can access by just clicking down the link and it'll give you access to tons of extra content. Also, we would love to hear your feedback. We'd love to enter into conversations with you about some of these topics. And if you have questions, we're here to answer them. So go ahead and email us at podcast at anchoredandreaching.com. Kevin, take it away. Yes, talking about salvation, and we continue in this uh, series about what is salvation, and it's much more than getting saved or signing on the dotted line or reducing the idea of salvation to a contractual proposition. But the next step then is to say, all right, if we understand salvation the way Susanna and I talked about it in our last episode, and if you didn't, if you didn't uh, listen to that, at some point I'd really like to encourage you to go back and listen to that one because it, it lays a groundwork for understanding this idea of the story of salvation, the journey of salvation, of salvation being the restoration of the image of God in us. Uh, but the next step on that then is to say, all right, what impact does that understanding of salvation have on how I am motivated to reach other people or to live in the world or to share my faith, uh, to engage other people? What what are the ramifications of salvation as a story on my sharing my faith? And again, you recognize that in the, especially in the evangelical community, uh, we have reduced everything to tidy little propositions and boxes and formulas, and we have put programs in place. We have evangelism, we have outreach, we have discipleship, we have all of the terms that reduce everything to a process. And what I'm trying to do is to get you to zoom out and look at salvation as a story and then to think of yourself as part of that story. And now, as we turn this corner, how does that affect my relationship with other people as I want to share this wonderful gift that God has given me in my discovering my identity in the restoration of God's image in me. What does that how does that affect my sharing with other people? So so if I could if I could build on what we talked about last time and ask you to in your mind's eye, draw a picture, and maybe you're in a place where you could actually do this. If I had a whiteboard in front of us right now, this is what I would do. On the left side of the whiteboard, I'd I'd draw a big circle, and I'd make it a blue circle. And then I would color in that blue circle completely solid blue. 
And we're going to call this one, I think the title of this one is the Blue Dot Continuum. So I want to talk about the Blue Dot Continuum here. And if you know me, then you know that I talk a lot about continuums. And uh, this one is one of the most central, one of the most important. So I draw this circle, I fill it in with solid blue. Now, imagine that blue, that blue circle, that blue dot, giant blue dot is God. In other words, God is blue. Imagine those two things as synonymous. Now, please don't think that I'm being sacrilegious here. I'm, I'm doing this to make a point, and I think you'll get it. God is blue, and this is a solid blue dot, a big blue dot on the whiteboard. Now, out to the right of that, I draw this line that extends out quite a ways to the other side of the whiteboard or to the other side of your piece of paper. And along that line, I draw maybe three or four circles at various distances away from that big blue dot. Now, those represent people. Uh, they, they, and, and those people, obviously, are each individual's. And in the one that is closest to the big blue dot, there's a lot of blue. You know, it might have, you know, 50 or 75 blue dots in that white, in that circle that I've drawn along the continuum. And then I go a little bit farther out to the right and a little bit farther, there's another circle, there's another person. And in that blue dot, I might draw oh, maybe 15 or 20 blue dots. And then I go a little bit farther out and there's another circle. And in that circle, I might draw oh, 10 or 15 or maybe five or 10 blue dots. And then I go way out to the right side of my whiteboard or my piece of paper. And there's another circle way out there. And in that circle, there's one little blue dot. That's all there is. And so you have this continuum. Now, if we were standing in a room together or sitting in a room together and I had the whiteboard in front of you, I would ask you the question, all right, what is the relative difference among these circles along this continuum, right? The one um, along this line that extends out from the solid blue dot out to the right. Well, obviously it's, it's pretty clear and you'd probably answer, well, some are farther away than the others. They're not all the same distance, right? In other words, proximity is the variable. Some are in close proximity, and the one particularly is in very close proximity, and the other one's way out there, far at the, at the far right end of the, of the whiteboard. And then I ask you the question, now what inherently is different about each of these blue circles along this continuum? Well, the answer is obvious. Uh, some have more blue dots than others. And then you put those two things together, you put the relative distance away from blue and the number of blue dots in each of those circles, and you begin to draw the conclusion that the closer you are to blue, the more blue dots you have. Now, I think you see where I'm going with this, that the closer you are to blue, the more blue you reflect. The farther from blue you are, the less blue you reflect. But even that farthest circle, that farthest person out on the continuum has a blue dot in them. See, the goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not to get people saved. The goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to invite people into closer proximity with blue. Because the closer you are to blue, 
the more blue you will reflect. It's obvious, right? So we move the blue people closer or the blue the circles on the continuum closer and closer to blue. Don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about the blue man show in Vegas. I haven't seen it, but I'm, you know, I can see people thinking about that right now. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm you you get the metaphor, you get the analogy. So we move the circle from way out in the right. We begin to move it closer and closer to blue. And as we do that, suddenly you begin to see more and more blue dots beginning to emerge and beginning to be reflected. Well, clearly, uh, the point is, is, is that the journey of salvation is a journey into proximity with God. Now, along that journey, there is a single point of decision, of willful decision whereby we come face to face with the cross. So maybe between the second and the third person or the third circle on that continuum, you draw a picture of a cross. So we can come closer and closer to blue and we will reflect more and more blue properties, but there comes a point where we have to make a decision about the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even asked that question. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the, the you know, John the Baptist come back to life. Uh, who do you say that I am? See, he personalizes it and he brings it down to a willful decision of saying, who do you think that I am? Well, I think that you're Jesus, the son of the living God, and I'm going to put my faith in you so that I can continue this journey of being made whole and becoming blue. See, at some point we come face to face with the cross and the question that Christ puts in front of every person. And then we continue on in closer and closer proximity. So you see, along this line, this whole line is what we would call salvation. There's a point along that line where we have to make that willful choice. And next time we get together, we'll talk about that choice as the justifying point. But the salvation idea is, includes all of this. All the way from the person way out on the right with one little blue dot to the person who's in closest proximity with blue reflecting 75 or 100 blue dots. You see, the whole idea of God's journey, God's gift of salvation is to invite people and make a way for them to come into closer proximity with blue. Because God knows that when we are closer to blue, we will reflect blue. We tend to become like the people we hang out with. You know, 42 years ago, I did not dress the way I dress. I did not like the kind of food that I eat now. I did not act as nice as I do now. I did not appreciate things that I do now. But hanging out with somebody, hanging out with Kathy for 42 years has changed me. She's rubbed off on me. I'm a nicer person. I actually like Scandinavian food, whereas before I thought it was a waste of space. No flavor, right? I like garlic. I watch different TV shows. I think different thoughts. I appreciate more about nature. I appreciate more things because she has rubbed off on, on me. When I get close to blue, I will become more blue. It's human nature. Jesus invited those onto the mountaintop whom he chose, and 
and he invited them there not to write a book, not to do a seminar, not to do a class, not even to preach, not to study the Bible, not to even study or talk about God. He invited them up onto the mountaintop, the Bible says, to be with him, to be with him, to hang out, to chill with him. Why? Because God knows that if we hang out with Jesus, we are going to become like Jesus. It's a natural consequence. You are close to blue and blue is going to rub off on you. So now the journey of salvation is moving along that continuum into closer and closer proximity with blue and we will become blue. Now, what does that mean then for me when I think about the joy of the blueness in me, the joy of this salvation in me? How do I go about sharing that? Well, remember the person way out on the end, on the far right of your paper, that circle with one tiny blue dot. Just remember that no matter how heinous the sin, no matter how bad or far from God a person might be walking, the image of God in them. If I take you into some of the worst places of the world where people are living in depraved conditions, in sinful, willful acts, of abuse and taking advantage of injustice at its highest levels, uh, all kinds of things, I always tell people, remember that in every person, the image of God exists. That little blue dot exists. Now, it may be covered over with so many layers of selfishness and lust and desire and warpness because it's so far away from, from blue, but the blue dot is there. And as we begin to peel away those layers of selfish choices and, and lustful desires and selfishness, pretty soon we get to the bottom line and we get to some of the core elements that come from God and the image of God in them. And there's one blue dot. So, folks, Folks, my call, my invitation in terms of understanding salvation and sharing it is not that we share propositions that people have to intellectually give assent to. Let's just go blue dot hunting. Let's go find little blue dots in people. And then let's let's kind of invite them closer and closer. And like a, like a little coal that's about to go out, we blow on it. And it begins to take life. And it begins to move closer and closer. And pretty soon, more blue dots begin to show up. And pretty soon, we see people walking on that journey of reflecting God more and more and more. Man, I could talk forever about this one. I just hope that you think about blue dot hunting as the thing that drives you every time you walk into your workplace, your school place, your community. Go blue dot hunting, will you? Kevin, I love this so much and for so many reasons. And one of the main ones is because just to reiterate, every single person who is walking on the earth right now has a blue dot in them. Every single person is yep. created in the image of God. And I think, you know, hopefully Christians know that, but oftentimes there becomes the situation where it's kind of you're in the club or you're not. Like how many times yeah. I hear people say, oh, is he saved? Oh, is she saved? And I understand the heart behind that question. Like it's okay to ask if somebody is following Jesus or not, but it kind of naturally creates by saying, is he saved an in-group and an out-group? And really what we want to do as Christians is look at everyone as created in the image of God and as God fear fearlessly pursuing them and desiring a relationship with them. And then 
you know, them going on that journey of hopefully coming yeah. into greater proximity with God. Yeah. So what that may imply, Susanna, is that God is not, you know, I guess, you know, and, and, and push back on this, is God really against anybody? God is for every person. And, and, and does God even take sides? You see, I mean, God sides with righteousness and justice, but does he take sides when it comes to people? Well, I mean, that's a pretty deep question. He, I mean, I suppose he took sides when it came to the Jews and the Jewish people with them being the chosen people. But I know that's not the direction you want to go. So, Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know because, you see, God has created every person and every person has that little blue dot in them like you just got through saying. I mean, and it seems to me that God's greatest desire for every person is that is that they start manifesting more and more blueness as they come closer and closer to him. So so in 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 some respects God's passion is for every person that has been created who possesses the image of God in them. Yes, definitely. And I would I would agree with that. I don't think God is against everyone. I think he is for everyone. And I think it's really important that Christians catch that vision too. Like yeah. One, okay, so there's so many reasons I love this, like I said. So it gives us an understanding that the people that we're talking to, no matter how selfish, no matter if they're in a different religion, no matter if they're coming against Christians with, you know, just every weapon that they possibly can, they are also created in the image of God. So that's important for from a missional perspective. Second, it helps humble Christians because it reminds us that we're all on the same journey from the image of God to proximity with God and from the image of God to the likeness of Jesus. And there's that verse in Colossians 3.10. I'm going to read it. I pulled it up. Um, It starts in nine, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And at one point I wrote on my Bible next to that, like moving from the image to the likeness, because as we talked about in the last episode, even if you've had that decision moment to follow Jesus every day, you're being renewed into more of the image of your creator and more into the likeness of Jesus, right? Yes. So it reminds us of that. And then the other thing I think it does is it helps provide, you know, language and kind of metaphor for the fact that, guess what? People who aren't Christians can reflect the character of God. And this is part of the reason they can, because everybody was created in the image of God. Now, does that happen necessarily? No. We know there are many people out there who aren't following Jesus, who are walking in selfishness. And by the way, many Christians who are as well. But there are people who are not following Jesus, who didn't make the decision to follow Jesus, but are in many ways reflecting the character of God. How is that possible unless God put his imprint on them, having been created in his image? It's not. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are the things that it does for me. Yeah, well, and 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 frankly, you know, you look around and you see some amazing people with amazing talents and and if they're not saying Christian words or they're not singing Christian songs or they're not doing Christian uh, behaviors, we sort of write them off. 
when in reality, where do you think they got the gift to be able to do that? Where do engineers get the gifts to be able to build the buildings? Where do the artists to paint? Where do the singers? I mean, I've been watching American Idol. Okay, I'll, I'll confess. <laughs> I'm you know, and and as I listen to some of these singers, certainly some of them, I mean, they're just blatantly giving their their glory to God. But others are not. But they're so amazingly talented. It's like it's like where do they think that talent came from? It right. comes from God out of the image of God in them. Now they may not give they may not give credit to God, but that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. So why would we look at someone and suddenly say, uh, because they're not using Christian language, they're not using they're not singing Christian songs, they don't they somehow um, we write them off. Right. And the minute they say the sinner's prayer, ah, now they are suddenly using the gift of God. Well, they were using the gift of God before they said that prayer, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I remember somebody saying it, might have been Tim Keller was the first person I heard saying it, but it's, you know, it's a common shared idea that because we're created in the image of God, everyone, and because we all are also sinners, having fallen short of the glory mm -hmm. of God initially, Everything that we create as human beings, Christian or not, is a mixed bag. It's a combination of, um, you know, kingdom creation, having been created in the image of God, we create things that can point toward heaven and a combination of brokenness, everything that we create. And so whether you're a yeah. Christian artist or a non-Christian artist, it's going to be some kind of mixture. Now, obviously, the you know the more you come into proximity with God, hopefully, the more of the blue is in that mixture. To use your metaphor, but yeah. it's important for us to just drop the pride and recognize that God is pursuing everyone, and it's not you're in the club and you're not. That's just not how it works. Yeah, can can you under, explain that a little bit more? I mean, I, I you've used that idea twice. You know, it's humbling for Christians, and and the phrase you just use of of I don't remember what you just said, but getting past the pride, Christians getting past the pride. Can can you explain that a little bit more? When you say it, this idea then brings Christ, it brings humility to Christians, and we got to get past the pride. What do you mean by that? Well, I just think it's pretty easy for us to, you know, I've heard about the church talked about um, from non-Christians as like this social club, basically like, oh, you're in the club. And I think it's easy for all people, not just Christians to kind of have in-group and out-group bias. Like they talk about this in school. So people who are like you, who believe like you have said the prayer, whatever, you start to think about them in a positive light. And then people who are not in that club who haven't said the prayer, you start to look at them in a more negative light and you kind of have like a, an in-group bias. The reality is, is that in the kingdom of God, while there is that decision that people make to follow Jesus, God is pursuing every heart. So if we're going to have the perspective of him and we're going to look at people through God's eyes, we can't look at them with an outgroup bias. We have to do our absolute best to look at them as somebody who God is pursuing instead of somebody who's not in the club. So mm -hmm. I just feel like that narrative 
I mean, I hear it from time to time. I hear it in the tone that people use when they talk about other people. I hear it just underlying the language. And I don't think it's necessarily most people's heart, but it's really easy to fall into that trap. I I talk about pride because once you have prayed the prayer, it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm good. When the reality is you could have prayed the prayer and still be really far away from the proximity of God because you're not actively pursuing closeness with him. And I think that might mess with some people's theology because, right, you're already justified. Like, you've already prayed the prayer. You have access to God. That's true. But, like, are you daily going to enter into his presence? Are you daily going to come to the throne room? I mean, ultimately, you make that choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose it also uh, messes with your pride and causes you to be humble when you stop and realize that I, just like every other person on this continuum— am created with a blue dot. Right. And and I have made choices that may move me in a particular direction, but there is a time when I didn't or there's there's a and I, frankly I could be there. So mm-hmm. so the idea that somehow there's an in-group and an out-group that I have more, you have less, that I'm better than you because I know Jesus and you don't. Um, I mean I I just don't find that there is a place anywhere in the journey of walking with God for that kind of attitude. I, right. I mean I just think that that is you know that needs to be expunged post haste. 100%. Yeah. 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 So so I I just think that for me, the motivation, it eases the tension, and I hope that it takes the the bondage off of people who somehow think that they have to uh, go out and share their faith in a certain formulaic way a certain number of times. Can I just say, man, just live your life and let blue shine through, right? Mm-hmm. And when you do see somebody who has... Uh, a, a, a behavior that's offensive, don't look at that offensive behavior. Try to find the blue dot in them. Try to think, try to look at them the way God would look at them. Look for the blue dot underneath that selfishness. And I'm convinced you're going to find it somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's expand that a little bit. So I, I know what you're not saying is people shouldn't go out and share the gospel. But I think you're advocating for maybe a slightly more relational approach, introducing people to a person, not just a prayer, right? And as, I mean, this is what I'm hearing you say, as as they start to learn about this person who is Jesus, and they start to learn about what he offers them, that is a more, could you you expand on that? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure that I would go so far as to say <clears throat> adopt a more relational process or approach to doing evangelism. Uh, you know, I think I'm beyond that even. And that may be too radical uh, for some people. It may be, maybe it's just my own bias. I guess I would just say, you know, if, if there's any blue in you, let it show. Mm-hmm. And go looking for blue in other people because I'm guarantee I guarantee you you will find it somewhere. Don't write people off. Right. So live your natural life in a way that is authentic to the blueness that is within you. Let mm-hmm. it come out of you. Just like I eat garlic, 
man, when I sweat, I sweat garlic and it stinks or it smells, smells good to me, but you know, not everybody. So, you know, let what's in you come out. Uh, That's probably a rabbit trail. We don't want to run down. Uh, Whatever's in you, let it come out and remember that every person has blue in them. Mm -hmm. So you may not see it right away, but, but go looking for it and you're going to find it. Right. So it's less of a comment on how you lead people to the Lord and more of a comment on the posture that you should be living your life with that will hopefully just invite people into that anyway, because of the potency of the blue in your life. Yeah, that's well put. It's very well put. I think that's a really good thought and a really succinct synthesis that that <laughs> what a tongue t- twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's synthesis. a great synthesis of everything that we just said and it and it leads the way to the next episode that I think we're going to turn to. Great. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see everyone there then. I'm excited to see what we'll talk about. <laughs> Wait a minute. Seeing everybody there, is that what you say on podcasts? Is that what we're supposed to say? Or are we supposed to say, uh, we can't wait to see you log in, or we can't see, wait to see you subscribe, we can't wait we to can't see your We can't wait for everyone out there in the you know, in the podcast land to listen to our voices. And hopefully email us at podcast.anchoredandreaching.com. Love it. See y'all. <laughs> see y'all. <laughs> Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.